Praise the Lord. I do not see the worthy of all that. You may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. I'm excited. But what I'm more excited about that there actually isn't a live. Now, all the media people are like, oh man, when are we going to get this fixed? But if you know me, I will not be standing here long. I will be all over this place. And so it's a hard time for the camera people when they try to find where is he now on the screen? I'm excited. How many, we're going to stay in the Revive series. Like, isn't it amazing how God isn't really shifting gears this morning. He's staying in the same line. How many of you have been enjoying the Revive series from Pastor Daniel? Has it not been amazing? And if you do not do this thing that I'm about to say, I'm begging you, yes, begging you to do this. Don't be just a consumer on Sunday. Don't be just a Sunday consumer. But I hope that you take some notes. I hope you at least write down some scriptures. And then on Monday, and then on Tuesday, or Wednesday, how about we get crazy on Thursday and Friday and start mulling over those things. And God said, remind me, feed me again and mull that over. Like I learned that from an old pastor of ours, Stacy and I, that he used to say, and I'm not a farmer, so I don't know if this is the truth or not. But supposedly, cows have multiple stomachs. Right? If you're a farmer, you know about that stuff, shake your head, just so I know I'm getting it right. But they have multiple stomachs, and they'll take that word in the first time, right? Through their mouths and their nose, because they can smell too and all that. And then they'll bring it back up again. And they'll chew on it some more. And they'll bring it up again, just so they can chew on it some more, so they can properly digest all that. I highly encourage you to keep doing that. And by the way, how many here come on Wednesdays? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm shooting my own commercial right now. If you do not come on, it was so exciting on Wednesday. I was about to literally start wrestling all of you to the ground on Wednesday. Like, These people are preaching my sermon. Stop it. But it was awesome to see and hear all these people. Like the great thing, and I think the pastor would agree on, it's not just him. Right? That's what love. He kind of gets it going. He starts steering the ship, and then somebody brings something. And I was... Somebody else brings something, and then somebody else says something, and then Angie says something insulting, right? Like, did you know that it takes seven times? you got to hear something at least seven times? I'm like, I'm insulted. Really? By the way, if you get it seven times, I'm proud of you. It probably takes me 14. Right? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're here, God, because we know that you're here because that's what your word says. And God, we decide to believe it this morning. We know it's true. And so I just ask right now that the spirit of revelation ride in upon the reading of your word as we consume it this morning. God, help us, help us, and help us to not be hearers only, God. To hear it, but to not understand it. So bring revelation. And may that revelation become then doing in our feet, God. So I thank you that you're here today. Lord, we worship you and we praise you. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. I'm going to come up here just for practice. We're going to be talking today about truth and faith, and it's kind of all intertwined in the same thing. But Pastor's been talking about the 10 steps to revival or being revived. There are only 10, right? Okay, so you got that. Write that in your notes in case he says, well, there's 11 or 12. You can say, I thought you only said there was 10. But there's 10. I think we're on getting ready for six. Coming up, and they've been amazing. 
But as I was talking to him the other day, I just said, man, he's an incredible and amazing. And I wasn't sure how he was going to respond to this. But wouldn't it be great if we didn't need to be revived? What if there was a place that you could live and it was just constant? It wasn't all this highs and lows and valleys. Oh, man, that's, a, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. What if there was a way you could live and it just wasn't one minute you're high and one minute you're low? Anybody ever have that in your life? Feel that way about your life? I'm the only one? Come on, man. When I was a teenager, when I was a teenager and every week there was an altar call, I was at the altar. I know you're shaking your head, but it's true. And probably some of you did too because you didn't know who you were. And you didn't know what the word said about you because that's the same reason that I was up at the altar every week. Every week. Oh, man, they did something wrong or said something wrong. I need to be saved again. I'll leave that there. I want to read to you this morning about faith. We'll come back to that in a minute, by the way. Where are we going to go this morning if I'm going to give you the definition of faith? Where are we going to go first? Hebrews scripture. That would be great. I need to write that my favorite place to get a definition. Noah. I heard it in the back. Noah Webster. I love Noah Webster. He was a Christian. He does a great job. So let's read this definition of faith. And I'm going to prove to you that you're all people of faith this morning. In less than five minutes. No, the sermon won't be done in five minutes. I'm just going to prove to you that you're all people of faith. Faith is a firm, cordial belief in the veracity of of God and all the declarations of his word or a full and affectionate confidence in the certainty of those things which God has declared and because he has declared them. I'm going to read that again. A full and affectionate confidence in the certainty of those things which God has declared and only and simply because he has declared them. Now you're probably wondering, like, oh, sometimes I don't feel like I'm full of faith and I don't have any faith and you might have said all those things. But I'm going to prove to you, a bunch of you, right now, that you're all people of faith. If you drove to this church this morning, raise your hand. That's a lot of people. You all had faith this morning. When you started your car up, you probably thought it was going to start, right? You had a little faith. When you got on the highway and you started driving down the road, how many encountered other cars on the road besides yourself? All right. You had faith they were going to stay on their side of the road, didn't you? You believed, you believed that they were going to stay on their side of the road, and you kept cruising, right? You didn't even get thought. Did you? Most of you didn't like I don't know there's times, right, when you get somebody's a little wonky, right? I get it. And you wonder, right? Oh, so Lord, keep them in that side of the road. I do that on 270 sometimes. And there's like six lanes. My God, keep them over there. Keep them over there. And then eventually somebody just goes all the way from over here right in front of you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I hope that none of you have ever had to do this. But as we go back to reading this, Webster's Dictionary, a full and affectionate confidence in the certainty of those things which God has declared. And simply because he's declared them. If you've ever had to call 911, it's not fun, right? But there was a reason, right? But you got on the phone, had to do it at work for people. I dialed up the phone, 
dialed, what's the number again? 911, right? They ask you some crazy questions, I don't understand why, but basically, what's your emergency, right? Let's just keep it simple. What's your emergency? So I tell them my emergency, and then at that moment, usually somebody says, help is on the way. And your whole life then hangs in the balance on what they said. Your whole life is hanging in the balance, and you choose in that moment to believe that help is on the way. Isn't it funny how we'll take the word of somebody on the other side of the phone and we believe it and we have faith and hope and confidence in it? Just to hope that a few minutes later they show up and come rescue, and come save us. If you're with me this morning and you brought your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Colossians. We're going to turn to Colossians 1. We're going to be in verse 15. We're going to get a lot of work this morning. Is that okay? Amen. And so before we go whole hog into this thing, i got to be super real and super transparent to you. I've been saved a long time. I don't know. Since about 11-ish or 12-ish. I'll let you guess how old I am. 52. Surprised nobody actually does. He's very close. I've been saved a long time in my life. And like I said before, I've had a lot of ups. I've had a lot of downs. And I always had this thing in the back of my mind, like, why is my life so always up and down? Why do I feels so emotional, like with my spirituality. Is my spirituality even supposed to be up and down? And I could never really seem to find the answer, and I didn't have anybody discipling me that really gave me the answer, and I don't know why, because it is what it is, right? Am I allowed to say that if you want? It is what it is. But nonetheless, I just felt like, man, I'm not being real, like sometimes I just felt like I'm saved, I'm not saved. Am I even spiritual? I don't feel spiritual. And that whole thing was going on. So for years and years and years, that was my life. You know, I'd run for a couple years and feel good. Run for a couple years, like, oh man, I'm going to hell. I'm just being real. I'm going to hell. Felt like I was standing on the most rock solid slippery slope. The most rock solid slippery slope that you could ever be on. God, what's wrong with me? But that God began to remind me of some things. Over the course of that year and years of my life, God was planting some seeds. Unfortunately, some seeds take a little longer to grow than others. I don't know what kind of seed you are. Maybe you're one of those fast-stacking seeds where you put it in the ground, you plant a little water, you know, and three minutes later, it's like full grown. I'm not that way. Sometimes I need a little more planting and a little more water. And help me, Lord. Help me get through this. Help me learn this. But you know, six years ago, God brought us here to this church. And it was really nothing short of a miracle. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But nonetheless, it was nothing short of a miracle because wife, my wife and I had to be in agreement. And I made a promise to the Lord that one day that I felt like he was telling me to leave um, a previous church, not because anything was wrong, just because it was time he was sending us somewhere. 
we've had these discussions before and we were never in agreement. I'd be like, I feel like God's saying this. And she'd be like, nope. I don't feel that at all. Lord, we got to be in one in unison with this thing. And then be other times and she'd be like, I feel like we're supposed to go. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not sensing that at all right now. And then so one day that get stirring happened and um, I just made a deal with the Lord. I'm like, okay, Lord, if I get home and Stacy agrees, then, then we'll move on to where you're saying. And I didn't know where that was, by the way. I didn't know it was here. We didn't know what's here. We didn't know where it was. We just knew God was moving. Amen. And so I got home and we had this. I don't know. I call it my patio paradise. Anybody got a little place at home where you just like to hang out? Well, in the summer, that's our patio. We got a little thing out there we sit under. We've got a little koi fish pond thing, and it's cool. But I drive up the driveway, and Miss Stacy's sitting right under the gazebo, and I'm like, ooh, well, that was quick. I thought at least I'd have time to catch my breath and get out and get in the house, and then she'd be inside, and she's sitting right on the patio. And I don't remember wasting any time and I get out of the vehicle that morning or that afternoon, and uh, so I got talking about something. And I said, God's put something on my heart. She's like, okay. And the funny thing was, is six months ago or previous to that, I had accepted the head worship position at the church that we were at. So during that day, God had challenged me. He said, why didn't you take that position? I'm like, I don't know how real you are, so can I just be real for a minute? I'm like, Duh, God. I've been on that worship team for how long. I, I play stuff. Singing. But when we have the ability to be real to God, God has the ability then to be real about this. And he's like, you never even asked me. You never even asked me. I'm moving you. I'm moving you out. And I said, okay. Great. <laughs> That's when I Made things. So I'm driving up in the driveway. This makes the story a little more clear. I drive up in the driveway. There's Miss Stacy. I go up to her. I said, I got to tell you that God's got something on my heart. I said, man, I feel like it's time and he's moving us. And she said, uh-huh. I'm like, sounds great, right? Which was good, right? To be in unison with your wife and moving forward in the same direction. But when you do that and you stepped out in something that you weren't supposed to, now Jim, who accepted the position, has to go back to all those people and say, I'm sorry can't do this because I never asked God. And then on top of that to tell them, we're leaving. But why I'm telling you this story is God brought us here. And the thing was, is I always suffered with who I was in Christ, my identity, right? That we talk about here. Who are we in Christ? I always struggle with that. I feel good one minute, not so good the next. I'm a son. Oh, I'm a slave. I'm a son. Oh, I'm a sinner. Who am I? I just never knew. Well, God got us here, right? Because of a meeting at the National Day of Prayer. Right? I'm like, I don't know where to go. I've been at the same church for 21 years. Where in the world and how do you church shop in America when you haven't been shopping for 21 years, right? Can you imagine being able to shop 20 years ago and you'd go to the mall and you'd go here and you'd go there? But now if you shop today, you'd find out like, well, where do you go? The mall's half closed. What do you do? Right? So when you don't, when you're not accustomed to that thing, you don't know how to church shop. And all I remembered in my spirit was said, God go. You told him you'd visit sometime if you could. Right? I don't know why I just feel led to tell this story, but just so you know. So we get here, right? And we walk through the door. And a friend of mine that was the previous uh, worship leader at the church, 
He says, I'm going to tell you something, Jim. He says, because I had confided in him about leaving and stuff. And even though he wasn't at that church anymore, I'm going to tell you something because he knew who I was. He says, when you go to a church, and he said, you find a spot. He said, I know you. You're going to cry like a baby. Because God's going to begin to do some things in you. He's going to begin to seal some things in your spirit that needs to be done. And so he told me that. So we get here. We walk through the door. And these people are like, oh, my gosh. Hi. I love you. They're hugging you. Get off me. I'm an introvert. All right. Give me space. Really? But they love them like this. Like they knew you forever. Like, what is this, Lord? Right? I tried to protect myself, and so we sat in the back row. I've never sat in the back row in the church a day in my life. Not ever, but I'm like, huh, today we're sitting in the back row. <laughs> the Lewises are parking back there somewhere. And so we parked back there, and Pastor began to preach, and at that time he was preaching on the love series. And all I remember, I can't, I can't even hardly remember a word that he said that day. But I knew the spirit. You hear what I'm saying? I knew the spirit of truth when I heard it. And began doing something in my spirit. He began to water something inside of my spirit that needed water. We could spend all day there. Anyway, but God started a process, right? All these years of healing and sealings and things. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But if you did turn to the book of Colossians this morning, we're going to read this. This is so important. This is so important this morning. Yo. Yes, I'm sorry. Colossians, the first chapter, the 15th verse is where we're going to start reading today. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So yours might read a little differently this morning. I want to read this to you. I'm going to go over it. We're going to talk about it a little bit. So again, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. It says in the heading that Christ is supreme. We have to understand one thing before we dig deep into this, these couple of scriptures in Colossians, that truth is so vitally important. Having the truth and what we build upon, we've got to build upon the truth. Somebody said, you know, you must build upon the truth of the word of God. And that was part of the problem in my life. I would begin to build this thing called my spiritual life, and I'd walk out my salvation. But what I didn't realize is I was building on something that was not solid. Because it wasn't truth, and it wasn't the Word of God. And these examples that we're going to get this morning from the book of Colossians are going to be very basic. Because sometimes when you build your thing, or you're building your life, we've got to start at the beginning, and we've got to start at the basics. We want to run ahead, and we all want to be scholars in the book of Revelation. But if we don't have this first, then our lives are going to be all over the place. All over the place. And then you're just going to want to escape to the book of Revelation, because you never fix what was here. The beginning things, the simple things, the things that makes you life stop going like this and go like this. All right, so book of Colossians, here we go. Verse 15, it says, Christ is the in, excuse me, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. He created everything in the heavenly realms. He created everything here on earth. He made the things that we see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
Now I have to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He existed before anything else. Here's where it gets hard. We're finite creatures trying to understand an infinite God. Something exists because we don't know that in our world. In our fleshly world, we don't know that. Everything that is made comes from something, but all of a sudden, here's this God that always was and always will be. He existed before anything. We're in 17. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. How much of creation? All. Oh. I wonder if that includes you and me. Well, let's think of it that way then. It says he existed before anything else, and he holds everything and all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. We're in 18 now, which is his body. He is the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled most things to himself. Mm. And through him, God reconciled. Who's him? Through Christ, right? Through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood and on the cross. And I know that you're wondering in the back of your mind right now, what does any of this have to do with faith? We're going somewhere. Everybody look to your neighbor. And I know that you hate to do this, but say, I hope he's going somewhere. I promise you we will get there and it'll make sense. I hope that you can tie it together. But listen, just as much as you celebrated this morning and worship, this and the whole, obviously the whole word should make you celebrate. But when we read this and you read it along with me this morning, this should bring such jubilous excitement to your body that you should rise out of your seat. Is that a word? Jubilous. I'm going to use it to describe one next time. Anyway, verse 21, it says, this includes, who's you? Read it that way. When you read your word, it's talking to you, right? This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts. And your actions. This is giving us groundwork to understand that we didn't have to do anything to be separated from God. We were just separated God because we were born. And we were born into sin. Do you believe that this morning? Because if you do not believe that, then we've got a problem with where we're going in faith. You don't even need any of this. You're good. Now that's hard for me to suck up and swallow. But I was no good. And there was things that were separating me from the presence of God. So this thing cost something. It was costly. Can you say costly? Costly. The fact that God the Father would send his only son to the cross and say, I need you to do this. And the fact that when you get real and you see Jesus in the garden all of a sudden saying, God, in my humanness right now, let this cup pass for me. Let this cup pass for me. I'm not sure if I can do this. 
But nevertheless, not my will. What was he doing? He said, God, I, I see you. I hear you. I'll do this because you said so. And so he goes to the cross for all of us. This thing is costly. So this includes you who were once far away from God, that we were his enemies and we were separated from him by our evil thoughts and our actions. But yet now, everybody say, yet now. Yet now. Raise your hand if you're a Christian in this place. If you've been born again and you believe it this morning, it's talking to you. But yet now, he has reconciled you and me to himself through the death of Christ by his physical body. And as a right and a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Under, do you understand, like, when this thing, God let the spirit of revelation right now in the name of Jesus ride into this place. God, help us to get this on our hearts. God, help us sear this thing. Sear this thing to our hearts, God, this morning. And understand who we are because of what you did. This is the truth that is very basic. And his premise, God, but let your spirit write in right now in the name of Jesus. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. He has brought you. Pat's going to hate me this morning, but I don't know if you remember. Months ago, months and months ago, this is the whole thing. And you need to get this into the spirit. Because we have this mentality in the church that we pick Jesus and we choose him. And I know you have free will. But listen to what the word of God says this morning. Is that I choose you and I move you into my presence. I'm picking you to be on the kickball team, Jim. That you never got picked for before. I'm pulling you into my presence. And I'm seeking you at the right hand. I know he's terrible. He's always my example. He's always Pastor's example. Don't go away. Just stay here. Thank you. Just remember. Understand. You were pulled up and you were picked by God himself. If I was God, I'd pick Pat up and place him because God said, I surrender to you, Jesus, and I'll follow you. And he pulls you into his own presence. Thank you. But that's what God does, right? Listen, in this part, you have to get. God, we have to get this this morning. Help us, Holy Spirit. Says, and you are holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. And blameless. As I stand before him without a single fault. As a result, he has brought us into his presence. And I am holy. And I am blameless as I stand before the king of kings without one single fault. We've got to understand this, church. Something's happened in the church. And I have to be real. This was stirred in our spirits as Luke Stacy and I went to a conference in Nashville the weekend before Thanksgiving. And it was just a great time to get away. And uh, we needed to be away. And so we got to talk and share and go and worship with other believers and get to hear the word of God. And God just hears some stuff uh, in my spirit. And so this begins to tie back to what I told you, always feeling like my life was just up and down, up and down, all over the place. And anyway, this man gets up, Dan Muller. He's, a, he's an older looking guy. He's got gray, heart, gray hair. And so he just looks like a guy full of wisdom, right? Like, man, this guy's smart. You know, well, he gets up there and he starts talking about, many of you feel like you're living your life and it's up and down. It's all over the place. He's standing right by the pulpit, just like I am. He's smiling the whole time. He's saying, "I'm beginning to think, who is this guy? <laughs> like, I don't even 
never even heard of him. He said, I'm just telling you right now. He said, life don't have to be that way. My life's not that way. He said, you guys' life is up and down. You're all over the place. He said, my life is like this. And I'm like thinking, who does this guy think he is? He's perfect. You know what he said next? He's like, some of you are thinking right now that I'm just some of this and some of that. Who is this guy? He says it right out of his mouth. I'm like, oh my gosh, conviction, the Holy Spirit. Says, Pow! Because <laughs> he was reading my mail. But he's like, I'm telling you the truth. Hello? I am telling you the truth because I am telling you the word of God. Yes. Here's the thing. I can say this because I'm a part of the church. But sometimes in the church, you don't always get taught the right thing. And I'm not making any exception. I'm not saying I got everything all together. I don't know everything. I do not know everything. I am learning and always will be a learner just like all of you. Amen. But when God shows you the truth, then you begin to understand, man, Amen. that was a lie. What I learned all those years. And I want to tell you a story. We're going to get back to the book of Colossians. It's so powerful. We're going to get back there. But years ago, my dad's here this morning. He probably won't even remember this. Right? That's my dad back here. Anyway, he tried to tell me one day. He asked me, I think he actually asked me a question. He said, Do you think that you're a sinner? Or are you a sinner? So I think I I paused for a minute, right? Because it just seemed like the right thing to do. I paused, make myself look smart, intelligent. And I said, ah, You know what? I think we're sinners. Redeemed by grace. Amen. I think we're, we're just all sinners. Thank you for God's grace. Just all sinners. My dad said, well, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Like, are we really all sinners? And I remember a conversation that I'm trying to convince my dad why he was a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> my older, wiser father. And we had this conversation back and forth, right? And I was just trying to convince that, like, because that's what I had learned. Hello? That's what I had learned from the church. You're a sinner, and you're saved by grace. And it sounds awesome. I'm not a sinner, and I'm saved by grace. But no! Because if that's true, then this, what we just read, is a lie. If you are a sinner, and you're building on a foundation that's about to crumble, and it's a slippery, the most slippery, solid rock you ever build on, because it feels right, or as pastor loves to say, it seems right. Ooh. But it's hard to stand on that thing because it's not built on truth. This is what Colossians and Paul is trying to tell. As a result, as a result of what? As a result of what God did for you on the cross. The finished work of the cross. He sees you as what? He sees you as holy as blameless, and he sees you in right standing, and may I dare say, like you never did anything wrong to begin with. So stop calling yourself a sinner, and start proclaiming the truth, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, help me, Jesus. But listen, we're going to keep moving on. This is 23 in Colossians 1. Like we understand, we're going to, we're going to use an analogy here, and this is, but you must what must? Everybody say must. must. With all your gusto. Say must. must. 
continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I love that it doesn't say on it, but in it because we are in Christ. This is talking about who we are in Christ. It's not talking about your fleshly man. It's talking about the new you when you said, I will, Father. Then he said, well, let me tell you how I feel about you. Some of you have struggled with this. Some of you are still struggling with this. And I can say that because I was one of them when I walked in the door six years ago. I was still struggling with this. But this is what Jesus says about you. And what Paul says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you receive when you heard the good news. It doesn't say amen there. It doesn't say Selah, but amen. Think about that for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. That is a lot to swallow. That is a lot to swallow. Let's turn to the book of Colossians 2. So you don't have to go far. If you brought your Bibles again, bring, just turn to 2. It'll be up on the board if you don't have it. Because if Colossians 1 wasn't enough, it must have been important to say almost the same thing again twice. But get this in your spirit this morning, church. Get it in your spirit. By the way, why you're, maybe some of you are still finding that real quick. Dan Muller, so we're back to the conference that Stacy and I are at. He stands up there, this amazing man stands up there. He does this thing, and he's like, I want to tell you guys how I wake up every, every morning. So I don't know how any of you wake up or what your morning routine is. I got to be real, like, I wish I could always say, like, my first moment I wake up, my first moment is that I get up. I don't snore. There might be snoring in the room. Not for me. And I'm sleeping on it. And I know I don't set an alarm clock. I don't need an alarm clock, thank you, Jesus. But I wake up in the morning and I would love to tell you, Pastor Jim is so spiritual. He just starts singing like the birds. And Pastor Dan is having a I don't do that. <laughs> I wake up, I'm like, oh, oh, 51 years of laying carpet, Jesus, help my bones. Man, I wish somebody would have made coffee. That's how Pastor Jim gets up Sundays. But Dan, the guy telling the story, he's like, I wake up in the morning. He gets up, I'm switching places, right? So I'm, I'm Dan Muller now. He wakes up this in the morning. He just strikes out, he goes, Ta-da! I'm in right standing with God. Did you hear me? I'm in right standing with God. I'm holy. I'm blameless. And one scripture in the New King James says version, and by the way, I'm beyond reproach. That means you don't get to correct me. You don't get to correct me on that. And you don't get to correct me because Abba Father in heaven, he's the one by what he did on the cross says that I'm holy and that I'm blameless and that I'm righteous and that nobody else gets to tell me. And I mean, not just only you, not even the devil gets to tell you. 
Not even the devil gets to tell you. Colossians 2, we're gonna, this is going to be a trek week to the end. So here we go. Put on your running shoes and lace them up tight. Colossians 2, we're going to start in verse 6. We're going to go through 15 real quick here. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. We're going to stop there for a minute because it says be built on Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus is truth. And for all of you that were here on Wednesday and you're in Bible study, isn't it funny that the first thing in your spiritual armor is the belt of truth. The very thing that God wants us to build off is not only thing to build off, but it's also the thing that you fight with. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him or be built on truth. Then your faith will do what? Grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers. We're going to come back to that in a minute of this world rather than from Christ, right? So there must be a thing that challenges to think from our human thinking or from uh, the enemy, but it's not the way that God wants us to think. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you are also then are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and over every authority. Verse 10, I'll read it again. Somebody needs to say this. God, help us get it in our spirit. So you also are complete. You're not perfect yet. I understand where we're But at that moment, how God the Father sees you as complete through your union with him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. That doesn't sound fun. But not by your physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. we got to get this. Christ did something in that moment when he died on the cross, and you chose to accept him. There was a cutting away of the old things. Now, this is going to be super gross. I apologize, making sure there's not a lot of young kids in there. But when there's a circumcision, and there's a cutting away of the old stuff, I'm guessing they don't keep that stuff. I apologize. It's a bit rude. But they don't keep that stuff. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's discarded because it's not necessary anymore. It's not needed for where you're going. The truth is, is you are a new person and you are a new thing created in Christ Jesus. Right? Amen. Get this. Come on. Come on. For you were buried with Christ. What were you? You were buried. And if you were buried with him, guess what you get to do? You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, then you were raised to new life because you trusted or you had faith and you believed in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins. I was dead because of my sins and because of my sinful nature was not yet cut away. But when it was, then God made me or made you alive with Christ and he forgave some of your sins. Well, let's get that then. Are we sinners? If you're forgiven of all your sin, what does that make you? Stop saying it. 
You're blameless. Thank you, sister. Yes. He forgave you of all your sins. Listen, this part, if somebody doesn't get up and dance, I might just have to, and that's not going to be pretty. But listen, he canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by the nailing of to the cross. It's like it never happened. It's like it never happened. All that stuff never happened, but it gets washed away. And listen, in this way, get this part too. In this way, he disarms the spiritual rulers and authorities. Like he's parading you around. Look at the new thing. Look at the new thing. Look at the new thing. And he's parading you before all the spiritual powers on earth. And then they're saying, oh my gosh, what happened to that old dude? Where's he at? I want to tell him. I can't tell Where is he? We're going to get to that in a minute. And listen, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. And he shamed them. Who did he shame? The spiritual rulers of darkness. He shames the enemy by what he did in you. He shames it by what he did in you and me. He shames the enemy because he shames them publicly by the victory of what he did on the cross. Amen? Come on, people. Don't say amen for me. I don't need you to say amen for me. I need you to say amen for you to get this in your spirit this morning. This is the road to where we don't have to go back to revival. Every six months, a pastor says, oh, i got to preach these ten steps again because these people need it. You've got a place to stand on and build on because you've got something that is the truth and it's rock solid in the name of Jesus. Listen. Some of you know this story. Some of you may not. This is going to be the most rapid story. I've ever told it. It usually takes a long time to just tell it. But many years ago, here we go. Many years ago, Stacy and I, we got a lovely letter in the mail. It's awesome. Who loves to get mail? Anybody? Nobody likes to get mail? Not anymore. Uh, well, it's been so long ago, it wasn't maybe that bad if you got something in the mail. Anyway, this came, and it came from the uh, Mercer County Probate Court or something like that. She's like, you got some mail. She called me. I'm like, yeah. I won't go in, but there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened that day. We kind of jokingly call it D-Day at the Lewis house. The reason we do is, again, I was a flooring guy. One day I'm laying in the carpet in this house. I was by myself. My partner was sick that day. Had a whole spot, house full of carpet to do. I'm putting a seat together. Anyway, uh, the guy from uh, the dumpster company says, hey, bro, we need to move your van. I'm like, you're going to have to move the keys are on the counter. I can't move it. I'm putting this hot seat together right now. I don't have time to do that. Otherwise, you have to wait like 15 minutes. He moved it. Comes back in, puts the keys on the counter. He's like, hey, man, kind of do your van a little bit. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. It's just normal van. Appreciate it. All right, get done. I go back out. I had to go back out to get something. And literally the whole, I think, right side of my van was like caved in. I'm like, and he was nowhere to be found, didn't know his name, other than what company he worked for. And I don't need to get into all that, but you can know how that made me feel. I was feeling real spiritual at that moment. Anyway, Stace calls me again, and I don't really know the exact order. But you got some mail, and by the way, somebody stole our check or something that we wrote to the insurance company. I don't even know how they do this. They forged, literally, it was wrote to the insurance company. They crossed out everything, right? So it said, blah, 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 insurance company for blah, blah, blah amount. 
They crossed out Blah Blah Insurance Company, wrote Kmart, scratched out the amount, wrote the amount, and then here you go. And somebody took that darn rascal as the mark. I guess I should have said Kmart. <laughs> Sorry for throwing Kmart under the bus. But. Anyway, uh, so I get home, right? I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is a great day, right? Emotions, right, all over the place. Like, woo, 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 huh? And I read the letter, and it says you're being sued over a job you did. There's three parties involved, and I don't remember the exact amount, but all my mind felt like the moon was passing out at the moment because it was a ridiculously large number. It was a large number, right? And you're in such a court date, blah, blah, blah. And so I had to go to court, and I'm like, I'm not crying. I'm sure I wanted to cry. I'm surprised I wasn't crying because that's who I am. I'm a bit of a crier. Emotionally, I was just, we didn't have money. Our time. So I'm like, okay, well, I could not show up. What happens again to people that don't show up in court? That's probably not, I don't want to go to jail, Lord. I'm not going to last five minutes in jail. <laughs> and I just, honestly, like that night, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, you're going to defend yourself. I'm going to be with you. And I was still terrified. Still terrified. Anyway. We went, long story short, I had to play attorney. I had no clue how to be attorney. The only thing I knew from playing attorney was watching all the shows that my wife watches from Law and Order occasionally. I'm like, I know you can't do this because this is called whatever, and you can't do that, and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, just remember praying every day, God, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, Lord. And went through the whole couple days, it was like three days of just stuff. And I was worn out by the end of the third day, and then it was like, oh, I thought normally when you go to court, you get a verdict, right? Like, at least tell you. Like, oh no, we'll let you know in 30 days or whatever, we'll write you another letter. <laughs> now I really don't want to get mad, right? But in 30 days, we do get a letter. I'm sorry, I just I'll stand in front of this, but just for the object lesson, right? This is the letter. <laughs> what did Jesus say to me? 33 days ago. What did Jesus say to me? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'm still shaking like a leaf, right? All those highs and lows of all that time. I open up the letter. Mr. Lewis. Board of Mercer County, blah, 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 has found you not guilty on all the, your charges, and we find you not liable for any of your compensation. <laughs> so you know what I did after that? Became a lawyer. <laughs> I became a lawyer. <laughs> Probably should have. Probably still would make a good one. That's awesome. No, what I did is, I told Stacy, I said, I know what that letter said, but I'm just going to go ahead and pay this money anyway.
work set up. Now, you don't know that. Why would we, why would Jim go pay it anyway? It's already been taken care of. It's kind of already been paid. You see where I'm going with this? If we were in the courtroom of the king, and Jesus, and there's Abba Father sitting at the judgment seat, and he's the one that hands out the verdicts. And we read in Colossians, he canceled the record of charges against us by nailing them to the cross. The verdict is not guilty. The verdict is because in this courtroom is not only Abba Father, and not only Jesus, and not only Holy Spirit, and not only you. There's somebody else in the room. The enemy. He's, he's watching because he wants to prosecute you. He wants to prosecute you. But Abba Father in that moment says, I am canceling every record. I wish I had a piece of paper. I am canceling every record. Nick, do you love me? Sure. Now, praise God. All right. I'm canceling every record about you and everything that was written down and all the charges against you. And here's where the next decree comes. That Abba Father, who sits on the throne of everything, says, He says, You are holy because of what my son did. You are blameless, and those things aren't remembered anymore. You're holy, righteous, and unbelievable. And nobody is to say anything otherwise. But isn't it funny? How Jesus then, like Pat, who brought us then and sits us at the right hand of God the Father, and I wish I was younger, like 20 years, and we sit down. Because as far as I can get, don't I, right? We sit down. We're in that place. And over there is the canceled record. Right? And by the way, Abba doesn't even look at it. Hello? He has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. And we saw this all the time in men's meeting. If I'm driving out State Route 309 to get to Kenton, I'm heading east. If I go long enough, I'm assuming I'll get somewhere near the ocean. But I'm heading east. At what point in my journey, at what point in that journey am I ever going west? Never. Never. That's how far your sins are removed. And they cancel all the time as they're right the end. But listen, here's where it gets crazy. And the crazy thought when I told you that Jim decided to write a check anyway, no matter what the bird said, right? That's silly. Who would do that, right? You can forgive him. It's, and as far as the record's concerned, it's off the books. You're not guilty. Let me rewind this. 
because you see me move a lot. And where am I? Here's Abba. The word says I'm seated in heavenly places next to him. And I have to move myself from the place where he put me. And there's the stuff. And this is what Paul was talking about, that you must believe. Do you believe the truth at this moment? Because I don't know if you're like me and in my journey of the up and downs of life, you're always looking back. And then you find yourself maybe a little bit closer. And while you're on your way, guess who's over here cheering you on? Yeah, you should probably go look at that stuff. You're not holy. I heard what you said last week. I know you even thought about your coworker last week. Who do you think you really are? And all of a sudden you're like, if you don't have the truth, you're like, hmm. Well, I did think that. They might even be that, but I did think that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're not holy. You're probably right. I'm, I'm not holy. You're definitely not righteous. A righteous man would never say such a thing or even think about such a thing. I'm probably right. I'm probably not righteous. Definitely not redeemed. What are you going to tell the Jesus you redeemed? Look at you're thinking and saying and doing. Yeah. Probably right. I'm not on any of that stuff. I want to remember what I was. Oh, I'm a sinner. But this is what I did when I was in the senior year of high school. Well, he's asleep. He's asleep. Where 
I kind of more relate to being a disciple. You guys might more relate to being Jesus. I don't know. But I more relate sometimes to being a disciple. Where's Jesus? Does he not see the storm? Oh my gosh, somebody help! Help! I'm being real. That's me sometimes. But Jesus was asleep in the belly of the boat. But Jesus was sleeping not only in the belly of the boat, but he was sleeping on the truth. He was sleeping on the truth. The truth was, is that his proximity to what had been told to him and his proximity to the Father, right? He was close because him and the Father were what? One. You didn't get one without the other, even though the one was flesh and walking this earth. It was God walking this earth. And so Jesus' proximity wasn't stirred by the fact that there was a storm surrounding all of them. He was... Even Q. He wasn't excited. He wasn't surprised by anything, was he? So he gets up out of the boat. Walks up. Like Jesus would. I don't know how Jesus walked up out of the boat. <laughs> he looks at the disciples. I got him. Try a little. The boat's moving. All right? Whatever. And he's just looking around the guys. And they're all freaking. Say it out of your mouth this morning. What did he say? Oh, you of little faith. If you only believed, only trusted. Right? If you only believe, if you only trust. The truth said, you're going to the other side. The truth says, you are holy. The truth declares that you're righteous. The truth declares that you're redeemed, and God has no trace of those things anymore about you. So my suggestion is to you to not be like Pastor Jim. And stop sitting down and rebuilding the document of your accusation, because the accuser of the brethren always comes, but the accuser of the brethren, nor man, were the one that gave you the acceptance. Man was not the one that hit the gavel and said, oh, And here's the thing. I don't care how much Bible you read. Hear me. Everybody freaks out when the pastor says, I don't care. You hear pastor, you speak. care how much Bible I read. Listen to me this morning when I'm saying It's not how much Bible you read. It's not even how much you pray. Even though all those things are at the core of building your future with Jesus. And none of those things, none of those things establish this verdict. Jesus establishes that because here's where it goes wrong. If we begin to think I read enough Bible, then how much is too little? How much is enough? How much is enough to make me righteous? If I pray how many minutes a day, Lord, do I have to pray to make me righteous? But then it becomes about your activity and then you make you righteous. That sounds like a cult. Oop. It sounds like you've tried to form another religion where you want to sit as the ruler and the head over. 
You don't get to do that. God already said, you're holy, you're righteous, and you're redeemed. And that's why Pastor Dan can do this. When he wakes up in the morning, he goes, ta-da! I am in right standing with the Father. Because it has nothing to do with him. And it has nothing to do with you. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm redeemed. And I want to warn you right now. I want to warn you. If you begin to talk this way, and you begin to live this way, and act this way, two things are going to happen. You're going to find that your life's going to stop going like this. And all of a sudden, then your spirit man is going to be going like this. Because here's the thing. The storms don't stop people. Hello? The storms are never going to stop. The storm didn't stop when Jesus was in the boat, but Jesus was riding on rest. Right? The storms are still happening, the highs and the lows, but Jesus is like this because he knew the truth. He knew who his father was. He knew what the father said. Well, so do we. It's in the word. The truth is in the word, and that's what we build upon. But there's something else that's going to happen, like your life's going to go, Ooh. I'm saying, I feel like an eagle. Right? Because you're riding on the wind of truth. See, you thought it was the wind. That's the wind, but the wind is the word of truth. That's what the eagle soars on. That's what the eagle soars on. He soars on truth. Woo! He's soaring on truth. But here's one other thing that's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now, beware. You begin to talk like this, and you begin to act like this, there's going to be some people you know that are going to come at you, and people that you go to church. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just, all I've done is give you the word of God. Is this the word of God? Have I told you anything that is not the truth this morning? Right? You see, when I understand that I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed, I want to pray. I want to know why. What else does this man who said I'm innocent have to say? I want to talk with him. I want to walk with him. And by the way, I believe anything else that he said. If he said, I can go and do miracles just like he did and even greater, don't you think we should believe that too? And shouldn't that be a reflection to the world that says, oh, that must be a Christian because look at their lives and look at the power that lives inside of them. It points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose of this thing isn't just so that we'll be holy, righteous, and redeemed and come in here and have a little cool club. The whole point was to give glory to Abba. Your changed life should give glory to Abba. But if you keep it inside yourself all the time, what's happening? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. So appreciate you. Hallelujah. Oh, I can square my back up. Not because of anything that I've done. Because of what he did. And I could go to Walmart and I can see Sally. Sally, you look tired today. You do. Sorry. I don't mean to be nosy, but can I just pray for you? 95% of the time, that's the response. Like, okay. Alright, this is God. Just bless Sally today. Lord. Give her strength right now in Jesus' name and walk away. Love you. Thanks for letting me do that. God, you don't have to make it something spectacular. If you see that she's walking with, oh God, just heal that loop right now in Jesus' name. The finish work of the cross. Walk away. Let Jesus be Jesus. It's not up to you. And it takes all the, 
all the threatening things and all the fearful things. I mean, what did she say to me? Todd White, so we're going to get ready to close. But Todd White told an awesome story. Years ago, when he got saved, he believed everything that we just said. He believed, he said that the Bible says it, and I believe I can do it. Right? So he made a commitment to God, I'm going to Walmart every day. That's a true story, by the way. He's like, I'm going to Walmart every day. And so he started going to Walmart, and he just looked for everybody. Somebody with a walker, ooh, there's somebody to pray for. You know, there's somebody over here, there's somebody to pray for. Hallelujah. His wife got so embarrassed, she wouldn't go to Walmart with him anymore. Anytime Tim said he was going to Walmart, she's like, I ain't going. I ain't going. Listen, he did this for three months. Three months, and nothing happened. He didn't see one miracle. Nobody ever turned around and said, ooh, I feel that burning. Well, I think, what? Not one time. Not one time in three months. He didn't give up. That's amazing, by the way. It is. Three months he kept doing it. And I'm just going to be a straight shooter. This is what happened to Todd. He's like, God, why isn't anything happening? Why isn't anything happening when I go and pray? And you said, you said, God, that these things would. And he says, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Uh-oh, I know. I just stepped on a whole bunch of religious toes. And listen, when we don't have the power of the Spirit, yes. it was just Todd doing it. Right. Anyway, Todd gets radically filled with the Holy Spirit. His encounter said it felt like the tongue of fire that grasped him in the book of Acts came down and licked him on the head and slapped him. And he just began to cry out because he knew that that was the living God that had reached down and touched him. And he said, every day after one morning, people would start turning around. Oh my gosh, I feel the fire. And pray for your head. Oh, I feel that. Miracles started happening. People started getting saved because of what God was doing in him and through him. And that's the same thing that God says about every one of you. But you'll never move out into that if you don't understand that you're holy, righteous, and blameless in the sight of God. You'll never do those things. Because when you understand that very thing, you're not worried about the acceptance of man or the fear of man. And I know there's some of you that deal with that. Because I deal with that. But I don't care anymore. And here's the reason why. That person didn't give me my acceptance to begin with. I'm not saying it's still always easy and I just run. But I do it. Because Abba said so. And I don't go recklessly and carelessly. I know we always try to follow the Holy Spirit. But I'm just telling you God has said a lot of things. In the Word. And we say, well, I just got to hear Him. How much more do you have to hear Him? Go live out your lives in front of people and stop being ashamed about it. And the reason that you're ashamed about it is because you don't believe yourself. Amen. You don't believe you're holy. You don't believe you're righteous. And you don't believe you're redeemed. If you start standing on the truth of the Word of God, then you build on something. And there's no saying, there's no limit to what He can do when you build upon the truth. Every eye closed right now. Father God, I just thank you. Oh, there's so much more to say. But I thank you for this word right now. Lord, and I thank you for the spirit of revelation in this place right now. God, I'm asking you to sear this truth of the word of God in our hearts. God, may we be just like you were in the storm. And may we stop wondering why we're so up and down. God, may we just ride on the fact of the truth of the Word of God and what you say. And there's so much in the Word, God, that you say about us. God, burn it into our spirits that we might in turn just give you glory. 
That's what this whole thing is about. It's about you, Jesus, and not about us. It's about you, Jesus. I just really feel compelled to do this. If you're one of those people today, and you feel like your life has just been nothing more than a culmination of highs and lows and up and downs, and you feel like you've got not, not even one legitimate thing to stand on, I want you to do something by an act of faith today. I just want you to simply get out of here. Sure, you got to move. Like, this is the thing. God's telling you, like, this is the first thing that you need to do to begin to establish something in your life. And don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Listen, Pastor Jim, 51 years of age, right, sitting in a room full of 500 people, and the same revelation comes, right? And God just begins to sear in my heart all those things that Pastor and Pastor Damien for years have been trying to tell me. But in a moment, in a moment, he takes that hot coal and he puts it to my heart and says, remember the truth. That's what he wants to do. But you got to get out of your seat this morning by an act of faith. And I'm not going to lay hands on you, by the way. This has nothing to do with me. I know Holy Spirit isn't saying laying hands on anybody. But you, by an act of faith, got to say, I'm coming up and I'm going to surrender to you. And I'm just going to build from this moment on. I want your spirit and your truth to saturate my spirit. you got to make an act of faith this morning by moving out of your seat. And just come to the altar. And don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed this morning. Just come up. We're just going to wait for a few minutes and we're going to let the Holy Spirit be Holy Spirit in this place. This is so critical that we get this part right in our lives, God. It's, the, it's, it's so important that it's the reason that God's called Pastor Damien to preach this message. And the message hasn't stopped. There are key elements that get us to the key back to being revived. But this is the thing right now that if we build upon the things that pastors teach us, we'll never find ourselves here back again. Because we're building upon the truth of what the Word of God says. I'm just simply going to declare some things over you. It's the word of God this morning. That he calls each of you son. He calls each of you daughter. Understand that this morning, that it's not Jim. Don't hear Jim this morning. Hear Abba Father saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. And here's the thing. If you're saved this morning, stop remembering the things you've done because you're asking Abba and he already canceled it. He's already forgotten it this morning. He doesn't remember those things that you keep wanting to bring back up. I don't remember that stuff. I've forgotten it. Just say, Father, I surrender to that and forgive me for remembering it. God, but sear upon my heart those things that you say about me. God, you say I'm holy. You say I'm righteous. God, you say I'm redeemed and that I, there's no fault found within me because of what you did on the cross. That's how you see me. God, I pray that only the people that maybe even were afraid to come up this morning, God, for whatever reason. I pray that every body in this place right now would just give glory and honor to the King by the life they lived out of the truth, God. Let our daily lives that we live out in our families, with our co-workers, as we go to the marketplace, as we're crossing the highways and byways, be a reflection of who you are, God. And may they see you, and may we not be afraid to do all the things that you said that we could do all. God, Holy Spirit, just throw all these people right now in the name of Jesus. God, see our hearts. 
Hear our hearts, Father. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy, that you call me holy. Thank you that you call me righteous. Thank you that you say I'm redeemed. God, I thank you that you would love somebody like me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let this life be nothing more than a reflection of you, God. I thank you for canceling the accuser of the brethren in my mind right now in the name of Jesus. Every assignment of the enemy, God, he's been canceled. It's been canceled. When the accuser comes and he tries to accuse you before the Father, the Father says the same thing. That's not the truth. And I don't remember that anyway. You must have the wrong person.